This is the Weekly Scramble, a place where we chat about life over a cold one or two. It's time to belly up to the pod with Mike Fratelloni and your host, Chris Reavers. Well, it is a special edition of the Weekly Scramble. My name is Chris Reavers, and it's going to be a little bit of town ball talk. It's that time of the year, the 100th. State Amateur Baseball Tournament takes place starting this Friday and runs all the way through the championship game being uh, Labor Day uh, down in Dassel, Delano, and Litchfield. And so we're going to take a couple of stops. One voice that you may be extremely familiar with on these airwaves via Garage Logic and, of course, Monday Night Sports Talk with Patrick Royce. But first, we're going to talk to my good buddy Jeremy Stender, who covers all things town ball related for KGLB Radio. And uh, he is my guy because he has his finger on the pulse of everything town ball related. My man, how are things? Uh, first of all, I want to start with this, Jeremy. Um, I kind of set you up uh, because that's how I do, because you're my guy. I want a quick update on the league that you cover like a blanket because I had to follow things from afar, given the fact that my Fairbill Lakers, you know, we were kind of in the midst of our own region activity. What the hell happened in your region and Watertown didn't even make the state tournament? What the hell's going on? Well, first off, thanks. Uh, it's great chatting with you again. And, Always. Uh, it's been too long. It's been too long. Yeah, I can't believe it's been 49 weeks since we did this. So, <laughs> um, But no, yeah, I mean, Region 7, I've always talked about it, and people probably get sick of me sometimes the way I brag it up, but it's a gauntlet. It's tough to get through there, and we've seen it happen. And, it's you know, there's a couple factors, right? You know, the first weekend, Watertown runs into a Green Isle team, and, and, and there's a 17-year-old high school senior to be, you know, on the mound for Green Isle, left-hander, and just kind of ha- has the, the game of his night. And, you know, I, I did a podcast for our region, and I had Matty Breyer from the Green Isle Irish on, and he said, you know, now everything's measured by a radar gun and your height and yep. low and, and all these other things. And he says, but you can't measure a kid's heart. He's just like that kid just that night, you know, for a 17-year-old to be that calm. I mean, in a 10-inning game, he three-hit Watertown. That's and unreal. You, yeah, I think Pat Cheeto led the game off with a – or led the bottom of the first off with a triple for the Red Devils, and they didn't get their next hit until the ninth inning. So wow. he was just good. And then, you know, when – as you know, how you guys do things in, in Region 3, you got the 18 true double limb bracket, right? Yep. And, you know, it's basically win two before you lose two. And um, Plato got upset. Well, Plato was the two seed, so now all of a sudden Watertown loses. This kind of flips brackets upside down. Yes. And we end up with a monumental, you know, Watertown-Plato game. I mean, we had 650 people. Uh, last Thursday at Hawk Field, that's a state tournament crowd. Yeah, you know, for one game on a Thursday night, and I, I can't imagine. I, I, I still think we would have pushed close to eight or nine hundred if it had been a Friday night game. But and classic Region Seven game, Watertown loses one to nothing, missed some opportunities. Um, it was a double, a wild pitch, and an RBI sack fly in the top of the second. Plato scored their run, and little did we know at the time. That was going to be it. So, uh, yeah, just crazy. So, so no Watertown out of Region Seven, and then obviously we know Young America being in Class B. Um, 
you know, there's a few different looks and a few teams that haven't been there for a while. So that that's kind of cool and exciting, too. So I have to ask about my Carver Black Sox, being a former resident of the booming metropolis of Carver, Minnesota. I, I had thought, I had heard over the winter that their team might be in a little bit of trouble just kind of getting enough organization and enough guys you know, to, to be able to come and play. Because I know the Chaness and Redbirds were kind of going through the same thing. So what happened with Carver? And all of a sudden I saw, wait a minute. Not only do they have a team, they're in the damn tournament. Like, what what happened with the Black Sox? Well, what you heard was correct. I mean, th- there was a little bit of trouble, and ironically, and you know, not to you know shoot my Region Seven C podcast that I've been doing. I I just interviewed Brian Titchy, their manager, um, just the other day, and you know, th- there were some tough decisions that they had to make because you know, over the course of the last 10 years, they've just been a really solid program. They've had a really solid core. And as you know, sometimes when you have a solid core like that, it's tough to bust into that and to bring new people in. And, you know, all of a sudden this core in the last two years has kind of started to fall off. You know, first it was two or three guys. Yep. I'm done. It's time to move on. White kids, family. And, And that's kind of kept happening. And really to where they kind of came to an impasse this last year where it's like, what are we going to do? You know, Brian Titchy was, am I going to manage again? Um, who's going to, who are our holdovers? Who's going to, who's going to lead us? And, and Bailey Mells, who really kind of went from a bit player um, a couple of years ago to a really good player in the league last year to now all of a sudden he's a, he's a, Crow River Valley League MVP candidate um, was kind of the guy that really took upon the initiative. He's a Legion coach. He brought in a bunch of young players, good, talented players, but really young players. And I think at one point Carver was 0-7. You could tell they were better than what they looked. Sure. But, you know, it just wasn't happening for them. But slowly, slowly it started to click. And I'd say the last, you know, really the last four to six weeks, they've been playing really good ball. And you know, they were the, one of the teams that, that upset Plato uh, right away in that Region 7 tournament that kind of got us started down that path of flipping that bracket upside down a little bit. And, you know, next thing you know, they get an opportunity. They were actually, Reavers, trailing 3-2 to two in the top of the ninth inning against Mayer the other night in the state qualifier slash elimination game. Uh, had a couple runners on base, pop up behind home plate, and Mayor's catcher dropped it. Oh no! And that that would have been the third out, and and you know Mayor would have been going to the state tournament for the first time since 1995. Oh, and that couple, poor kid! Oh yeah, God, I feel I for him. Wow. Yeah, and in a couple pitches later, Carver's you know hitting a, a two run double and scores two to go up four to three, and they hang on in the ninth. So. You know, baseball is a game of those razor-thin margins. Well, that's that's right there is exactly why so many of us are so intrigued by what we're about to experience starting on Friday. That that right there is is the 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 ebb and the flow of state amateur baseball and how. Listen, none of us get paid to do this. Well, you kind of do because that's your job. But but none of us get paid to do this. It's we do it because we love baseball and we love being around it. We like watching great baseball. And Mike, I don't even know this kid. I don't know anything about Mayor, uh, of course, other than Coach Lane. But I don't know anything about that team. But my heart goes out to that poor kid because I can't even imagine what he must be sitting with right now. Having oh, that's that's terrible. I I can't. So what you're saying to me then? I was sitting here listening to you tell me about the Carver story. 
their story is very much similar to the Vesely story then, basically, where I kept saying, and I, I'll pat myself on the back, because I said this publicly a year ago when Billy Dunker took over that program. I said, now, Billy's my guy, don't get me wrong, but I said, he's going to do a hell of a job at Vesely. Not only that, but he's got an area where he can draw from, just like Carver. I lived there. I saw all these kids that are you know tied to the Chaska school program, but there's nothing but kids out there that love playing baseball, and Vesely's in that kind of that same area where you can draw from New Prague. You can draw from Northfield. You can draw from the Lonsdale area. He's got a good good region. And, and oh, by the way, we played them earlier this year. At the time, I think they only had two or three wins. And I said, these guys are a lot better than the, the two or three win record that they have on the, you know, on, on the stat sheet. But I just said, they're going to find a way. And I was really, really pulling for them this past week. And it's so happy for Billy and that community because Vesley's a, a good, well, and respected program. Well, Billy's he's one of the great town ball stories, right? For I mean, sure. They, they wrote articles about him a couple of years ago when he finally was it the the 2020 season, I think, where he kind of said, "Yeah, this is you know this is it." When he was at St. Patrick, and you know, I, I remember reading that article, and didn't he play like in 25 or 26 straight state tournaments? It was I mean, something it was very some, close to that. Yeah. Yes just some ridiculous number you know whether it be for his own team or eagle lake or as a drafty but yeah it, it's a cool story and and that's what town ball is about you know you talk about vesely you know look at Cortland. um you know they won what was it region two uh down by new alm you know there's a Cortland team that folded like 15 20 years ago didn't have a team for a number of years yeah like five years ago, hadn't won a game. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Webster Sox last year when we were talking about them. I mean, all you remember is how much the self-deprecating humor they had of themselves on Twitter, they, where they'd make fun of themselves, you know, because they had eight airs in a night. So yeah. it's just cool stories like that. Miniota's going back to the state tournament. They haven't been there in forever. I mean, you know, those are some of the favorite things that I see on Twitter. It's not, you know, oh, hey, we're going back to the state tournament for the 15th year. Well, you know, good for you. I'm happy for you. That's great. But, you know, you see these programs and then, you know, Sunday night taking pictures at the at the local pub and, and there's 150 people there to watch the reveal show. Yeah. That's and, cool. and, and that's, that's damn cool. Absolutely right? cool. And it ties the community I mean, in so many of these areas. Basically, they don't, you know, so in some cases, I don't know. I didn't know anything about the Cortland Cubs, right? Until I saw probably something because you retweeted it. And that's the only reason why I was even made aware of it to begin with. But it's neat because then when you go to some of these games and oh, by the way, the uh, the 100th tournament is is starting this weekend and it's in <laughs> Dassel, Delano, Litchfield and all the B games are in Waconia. Is that correct? And we can touch on B here in a minute. There's a couple B. There, yeah, we, there's a couple B games in Delano uh, this okay. weekend as well. I know. So those are the sites you can find out more. I'll put something out on my social media page, but just go to mnbaseball.org and you'll be able to see all of the brackets, all the uh, starting times and everything it's it's a lot of fun it's super cheap entertainment if you've got a baseball fan in your life get in the car go make the drive I know we having the chance to host it last summer uh, it was an experience I'm glad it's over uh, but we well, had that's a, what I was gonna do yeah I was gonna flip the question on you I mean how much better do you feel now than you did last year at this time even though you love doing it yeah but just the stress right? I I was asked this on Sunday. We played Union Hill in our region championship. Uh, we found a way to come back and win in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. Uh, we beat Union Hill two to one. And of course, you know, we're celebratory. We have our little draft uh, for our region. And um, so we were sitting around, we were shooting the bull. 
And someone said, you know, so what's it like? Because we, had, we hadn't been in the tournament since 2018. Our last state tournament game was Lane versus Odegaard in New Prague. It's, it, it's, it's oh, been, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was the last time we were in the state tournament, which was, I'm still going to say, one of the greatest town baseball games ever, ever in person that I've ever been a part of because they both deserve to win that game. And unfortunately, one of us had to, you know, one team had to lose and it just so happened to be us. So that was our last, so that was five years ago that we last played in the state tournament. But I was asked this, you know, what's the difference? I said, well, it's so great being back, obviously, but I'll be honest. We wanted to win. We wanted to be in it last year. I have zero idea how in the hell we would have run the tournament if we had been playing in it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we, we would obviously, we had said, hey, if we make the tournament, um, we would love to play that very first Friday night game at all, that standalone Friday night game at, all, at our ballpark, which that wouldn't have been a problem because you're just having the one game and then the rest of the weekend you can work. But I honestly don't know, Jeremy, what we would have done because I basically our entire grounds crew a lot of our volunteers were all our team it was our guys because we were just in it together right and i i really i have no idea what we would have done had we made the damn tournament but i'm looking forward to it because i'm going to watch everybody else work for the next three weekends so <laughs> um but it but it it it, it I, I i'll say this too scott hollingsworth with the jordan brewers i i this just in i just moved to jordan a, a year and a half ago he basically said to me when our because our kids are the same age so they were having a practice he says well enjoy the summer off because you know we're hosting it next year i said oh crap that's right so i'll be i'll be yeah. in the thick of it again next year with uh with jordan hosting with bell plane and green Isle. but yeah it, it's I have so much respect for how much work goes into it, the organization involved, the volunteers needed. It really is. It's it's an all-hands-on-deck experience. Again, nobody gets paid to do any of this. They just do it because it's such a fun spectacle, and it's it's truly, truly great for each community that gets to host it. It really is. And, you know, you just look at what it – you know, I, I think that I remember a conversation of us, you know, last year and – you know, you talking about some of the civic organizations just in Faribault and yep. how many different people you were able to get involved. And, you know, that that's kind of what baseball is. It, that That's the opportunity that it gives us. And, you know, okay, so the Lakers aren't, weren't playing last year, but you, you got a chance to do something. You get to show off your community. You're bringing in thousands and thousands of people, and it's baseball, right? Yep. Um, you know, that's what I love about baseball. I say it's, it's, the, it's the most unfair fair game in the world, right? 100%. Something can can go bad, but at the same time, you still get a chance. Everyone's got a chance, and, you know, I I love it. These are really three of my favorite weekends um, of the year. Not only do you love it from the baseball uh, aspect, but you love it because of the people, right? I mean, it's it's some of the people that I got to know last year in Faribault, Dundas, and Meesville. It's hanging out with you and I'm sure we'll do that, you know, a few times over the course of the next three weekends, but you run into so many great baseball people, Absolutely. whether it's telling stories and, and cracking jokes and, and telling old tales, that's the best part about these next three weekends. Yep. There's absolutely no question about that. And, and so for me, it's like, I'm looking at the bracket and I'm trying to pick, you know, then I'm talking both this year and, and last year, because when you're playing in a state tournament, if you're going as a fan, you're not really going for the entire day or in essence, you're not going for the entire weekend, of course. But when you're working it, when you're hosting it, I mean, I was there from you know 730 in the morning until midnight, right? That's just what mm-hmm. you did. And so you basically watched every single game. But it was a chance for me to say, wow, this community and that team 
they I, I I knew Buckman, right? I knew that they existed. I knew they had a good team. I had no idea that their fans were insane, and it was awesome. It was so fun to be a part of that atmosphere for Billy Goat Nation. It was just cool. I, I found myself rooting for those guys just because it was their whole vibe was fun. Their it, it just everything about them was cool. And so just getting and again, I never would have had the chance to watch them if I had if we hadn't been a part of it last summer. So that's why I'm kind of looking forward to this summer or this tournament as well because there's a lot of teams on here that I don't really recognize, but I'm but I'm interested to see you know some of these some of these communities play. And of course, you've got your staples that have that are routinely a part of the Class C amateur tournament, and it's just again it's it's just it's just a blast. So let me ask you this: um, looking at the looking at the Class C bracket, and we'll get to Class B in a minute. Who do you like? You know, who are the, some of the teams that you like? Obviously, you're a big Region Seven guy because the Crow is always battle tested and the Crow always does well at the state tournament. I know Waconia is probably going to be a, a pretty good favorite to a, for sure get to Labor Day weekend. But you know, I think they have a chance and they're probably suited well to make a decent run here. I think so. I'll, I'll, I'll go to that question first. You know, for Region Seven. Um, Excited for Waconia because Waconia is the type of team that can be playing on Labor Day, not just Labor Day weekend. They're the type, they're that good. Um, but now, you, I mean, you, you start looking at brackets, and that's what we do, right? We prognosticate and we try and figure out what's happening. If Watkins beats Carlos, I mean, you've got a Watkins Waconia matchup, you know, so you're talking oh, Matt Geislinger pitching against Waconia. You know, this is pretty good, Reavers, but 56 and two-thirds innings this year pitched by Matt Geislinger. He's allowed one earned run. Wow. So that that's tough to get to. I mean, so there's an opportunity where Waconia is instantaneously getting battle-tested if Watkins is able to get through Carlos. Now, if Waconia wins that game, there's the potential there that they could play Bird Island. Well, you remember the young Kingery kid. You raved oh, yeah. about him last year when we chatted. You know, yep. Bird Island has him again. He, they drafted him. So, you know, you're talking about the two best lefties in maybe the state of Minnesota in, in town ball, or two of the best uh, that Waconia could see in their first two games. Now, a lot has to happen before we get there. But again, those are the intricacies of the state amateur baseball tournament where one little thing could go your way. So, yeah, I think Waconia has our best chance out of Region 7 to go deep, but there's also an avenue there where, you know, it, it could end badly. And when you talked about Region 7, we're excited about them, um, obviously, like we are every year. This is the 12th year that we've done this format of the state tournament. And, you know, Region 7 has been fortunate because of our crowd following that we've always been blessed to have four entrants into the state tournament. Well, Chris, the first 11 years, we've had at least two teams make Labor Day weekend every single year. Wow, I didn't and, know that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's pretty remarkable. And, and here's, here's even the kicker on that. It's been eight different teams. So wow. it, it hasn't just been, you know, your Green Isle for those five years or your Winstead when the Clayboys were there or Young America. I mean, we're talking eight different uh, teams that have been playing deep into Labor Day weekend. So it, it, it's pretty fun. But, um, you know, right away when I look at the Class C bracket, going back to kind of your original question, it's kind of like last year, right? Everyone was on St. Patrick and Watertown. Well, neither of them are there. St. Patrick's up to Class B. Watertown was stunned in, in the region tournament. This year, all the talk, and I, I think it's, you know, you can make the argument, it's fair, the Delano A's. I mean, man, yep. they're... They're loaded. 
and you know they added the Leastman uh, kid from uh, Litchfield as their number one draftee, who might be one of the top two or three pitchers in that entire region. You know their pitching staff is deep, their lineup is deep. Um, you know everything about Delano says that, but also everything about the Class C tournament in recent history says that's every reason not to pick the Delano A's, right? <laughs> right exactly. So, um, be, because, you know, I think last year when you and I did our final pod, we both said how I think we both mentioned Buckman in our first podcast. I think so as too. kind of in that group of 8 to 10. But we didn't mention, we didn't utter a word about Niswa. Nope. And there they were, you know, the last weekend what they score? 32 runs or something well, in Jeremy- their last you're preaching right to why the tournament's so great. They were playing Raymond. I, I'm almost positive it was Raymond, yep. and, and it was a it was a Saturday night, and Raymond had him beat. And I I don't know if it was opening weekend, one. but it might have been the second weekend, and yeah. they were reeling. And I thought, oh, okay, well, this Raymond team looks like they're going to Labor Day weekend. Niswa just found a way to win that game, and then all of a sudden they just said, okay, Labor Day weekend, we're going to have you know 17 hits every game or what? Those boys just took the wood to everybody. I could not believe how good their lineup was Labor Day weekend. It was unreal. It was just a hitting display I've never seen before. Yeah, they, they got on a roll at the right time. And, you know, who's that Who's that Niswa this year? You know, look at it. Who, who's that team that maybe you and I aren't talking about? We don't know. I mean, could it be Maple Lake? I think a lot of people know about Maple Lake, but I also know that, you know, they've got a pretty potent offense. They've got a lot of arms there. Well, maybe Maple Lake's the team that nobody's talking about that you know, steps up and, and, and shocks us. You know, the Hutch Huskies. They I were, know you're always a big fan of Hutch. I know you're always a big you know, fan of those guys. Yeah, I am. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, they were kind of an example where they lost their first Region 12 game again this year and, you know, had to come back and win two. And then they ended up going on a little run in that seeding process and actually ended up taking second to Delano in the region. So, you know, I don't, it's just, that's what makes this, yeah. You know, so darn fun that, you know, the Jordan Brewers, right? They've been in the state tournament how many years in a row? And, of course, they won it in 19, but they'd be the first to tell you there have been some disappointments in there, too. And, you know, you know a couple of the guys that they have, a couple of the new guys. We both know Brandon Arnold, you know, a former Class B MVP and just, you know, probably a better young man than he is a baseball player. For but, sure. You, know, you put him into that lineup, and that just infuses, you know, um, a, a lineup like that. Putting him at the top of the lineup and putting him at shortstop, or um, you know, adding a Tommy Thompson. So there's just so many different ways this could go. And you know, what's fun about the Class C tournament is you you can get done picking the bracket, and you can look at, you know, and, and you got your final eight, and all of a sudden you look at it when the final eight finally gets there, and you've only got two of your teams right. left, and you're like, well, what the hell was I thinking? No, that's just how unpredictable it is when it's one loss. You know, we're not getting to play best of threes or three out of five. We're playing one game, and you better be your absolute best for that one game or you're going to go home in this tournament. And you mentioned Jordan, too, and keep in mind they did this uh, for a good stretch because during their tournament – um, their one their their best hitter Joe Lucas got hurt, so he pretty much has been out of the lineup. I believe he started playing again during the region tournament uh, last weekend, and he hadn't been in the lineup. And it, they really they didn't miss a beat. Obviously, they they want him back, no question. But they really didn't miss a beat. I mean, they were pretty much steamrolling everybody, and they kind of have that same sense of urgency, much like St. Patrick did last year, because they they 
pretty much know they they win a game or two, they're probably there's a decent chance that they might get moved up. But adding that experience with the two boys from Chanhass and coming over with with Arnold and Thompson, I mean, they they're going to be a pretty tough out in this tournament. They're battle tested. They also drafted extremely well out of that winning that region afforded them the opportunity to draft really well. Um, I think their third selection was Nelson from Wasika, and that guy's no joke. So I mean, they're 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 pretty much loaded. And I I mean. Yeah, who am I picking? I'm picking a Faribault Jordan Championship, of course, in Class C. Um, but but I but again, it, it's it, it it can be anybody's game. But they're gonna they're gonna be a tough out. I also think Sartell's gonna probably be a tough out. Of course, you know I'm I'm gonna be biased here, but I think we're gonna be a tough out because we've uh, we've got we've got good pitching and um, we've we've got a good lineup that can find find a way to score some runs. So I just think. I just think it's setting up where there really isn't a favor. But you mentioned Bird Island, and I wanted to give a quick shout out to to Nagel's bunch because we played them in the opening game, or excuse me, the second game, but the but Friday night of the Jordan tournament. And yeah, they were seven inning games, but those boys just found a way. You know, we 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 had the lead against them. They found a way to get us at the end, and then they just th- that game Saturday night against the Brewers in front of a packed house at the mini mat where you got the it was youth night so all the kids running around all the uh, all the adult quote-unquote supervisors were feeling no pain that night doing tickets and whatnot but it was such a fun atmosphere that was such a fun game it w- it went I believe 10 or 11 innings um, and then they the next day they came back they beat freaking cold spring to win that thing on mm-hmm. Sunday I was so impressed by what I saw from bird Island that weekend so I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to make a run you know uh, over the course of this tournament so that's what's kind of neat about have. this year there really isn't there really isn't a favorite I don't think c- coming out of class C no I don't really think there is either I mean I, I think that there's there's favorites on paper and I think we, we probably covered them I think I think Delano and Jordan are, you know, are, are probably the two biggest, you know, on paper favorites. Um, I think Waconia maybe climbs in, you know, to that conversation. Obviously, you've got defending champs, Nisswa, you, you've got Buckman. But then, like you said, I mean, between you guys, you know, at Faribault, the, the Maple Lakes, um, you know, Watkins, you know, Matt Geislinger wasn't there last year. That, right. That's a completely different element. I mean, He's the kind of guy who himself can pitch you to the state quarters. Um, you know, talking about Bird Island, here's Bird Island's going to have to hit. Remember last year, they just couldn't score runs. They they were up early against uh, Watertown. Didn't they have like an 11 inning game against uh, Red Wing after the previous weekend having that 21 inning game against Corey Koski and Loretto? Yes. Um, they, they've got to figure out a way that they're going to score runs. And, and I think that that's the biggest thing, you know, for Bird Island because they've proven after deep runs in 20 and now 22 that they can pitch it. But, you know, how, how are they going to, how are they going to manufacture enough offense? So, so all these things, Reavers, we get to figure out over the next three weekends. How fun is that? No kidding. And so I do want to say, I think I'm looking at, I'm looking at the first round matchups and I got to say, I do think the best game of opening weekend is going to take place in Dassel Sunday at 4:30 because the Union Hill Bulldogs. Let me just spend a minute on those guys because I know Dusty Steinhoff really well. He took over that job um, to run that team, and um, they have had 
the toughest draw in the first round the last couple of years. Yeah. Last year, they get Waconia in Faribault in the first game. The year before that in Waconia, I believe they had to play Raymond in the first round. And, of course, this year, they get Maple Lake. That, I think, is going to be the best game of the opening opening weekend is going to be Union Hill versus Maple Lake. Because Union Hill, they had us beat in the region championship. And we split during the season, but they had us beat. They, they sh- you know, they very easily could have been uh, the, the the winner of our region, and we just we found a way to come back and and, and get the W. But that's going to be a hell of an open because those guys Union Hill they they've got arms, they can pitch, man. They that that's that's a good that's a good club. They're fundamentally sound. They don't beat themselves. They're and they're they're just a good ball club. And obviously Maple Lake, they're they're always they're always a well run program. So that's going to be a hell of an opening game. I think that's I, I, yeah. I think there's two. You mentioned one earlier. I, I really like the Hunterville New Alm, and of course, you guys get the winner of that one. But yep. this Union Hill Maple Lake. I mean, you know, Dusty Steinhoff might have to start thinking about writing a check to the state board or something. <laughs> saying, okay, what do I got to do? You know, can you cut us? Because I think it was you know. Then to go back to 2020, I think after they won their first game, they got Young America, who was the region champion. So oh, like. God. Because I remember being at that game. So it, it's just, yeah, they, they've had some tough draws. And, you know, sometimes it's just, it is the luck of the draw, right? Because you and I both know Union Hill is good enough to be playing Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, but we also know how this tournament works and that, um, you know, you get some of those tough matchups. I think last year, I don't think Wakonia got their first hit until the fifth or sixth inning. And, you know, managed to find a way to, to squeeze out a, a first-round victory against Union Hill. So, you know, again, it, it's the razor-thin margins. You'll hear me probably say it a number of times over the next couple of weeks, but that's really what it comes down well, to. Well, and, and like I, like we always say, I mean, yeah, there's a couple of teams every year that sneak their way in, but you don't get to the tournament unless you're a good club. You know what I mean? So you've got to take everybody. you got to take everybody serious because, like I said, it, it's – you were just talking about your region. You don't you don't make it through a through a region play like that if you if you haven't been established and found, found a way to, to establish yourself as a good ball club. That just doesn't happen. So um, no, it absolutely doesn't. All right, so let's before we run out of time because that's what we you and I do. We we get a little long long winded. Let's spend some time on Class B. Uh, I want to talk about not only your Young America Cardinals, but Class B in general. They're a little bit of a change this year. We're going to a thirty two team single elimination format. That's all the way through. Is that is that accurate this year? That is, yeah. I think decided on last fall at that meeting. I know that the state boards had discussions with Class A, you know, for a number of years. And I think that you and I would would both agree with this. I think the state board would acknowledge it. I think members of Class B would acknowledge it. Stuff in Class B had gotten a little stale, yep. um, you know, the last uh, the last few years and. I, I think that how, how do we try and infuse a little bit more excitement into it? And I think that this does um, help create a little bit of that excitement. So I think it makes it uh, a little more fun. And, you know, a lot of teams that, that maybe we don't have an opportunity to, to know about that we'll get to learn about over the course of the next few weekends. But I think it also introduces Class A a little bit to the real Minnesota town ball story. Yep. And that's not to make fun of anything in, in, in those metro areas. But, you know, I've been to Class A games before where you get there. There's no concessions. There's no there's no ticket. I mean, they're throwing money in a hat before the game to pay for an umpire or what have you. I mean, that that's just it, – it's a little bit different. But 
bringing them out to parks like Delano and, and bringing them out to parks like Dassel, Cocado, Waconia, Litchfield, yeah. and, you know, seeing the crowds and seeing the excitement. And, you know, I think sometimes that some of that stuff is maybe a little bit forgotten. They don't, don't realize maybe a little bit in those traditional outstates just how special we have it. So um, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And it, like I said, I do think it creates a little bit of excitement for that bracket um, because, you know, for four years in a row, Chan won it, right? Yep. And it was just kind of like, oh, you know, and it, it, it seemed like every section, and, and that's nothing against Chan winning, great for them, but it seemed like every section it was three out of the four same teams every season. And so, I wonder if there's going to be an, uh, any thoughts about an expansion just based solely on the region play of the, the, the gauntlet that St. Patrick, Dundas, Newmarket, Elko, Meesville. My God, what what a just haymaker after haymaker. And I'm thinking all of these teams could have easily been represented in the state tournament. So I'm just wondering if they're thinking about, you know, maybe we should expand this even more because my goodness gracious, the 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 region that was what an, an eight team region, easily all of those teams could have been represented in the state tournament. Yeah, I mean Hampton was the eighth seed. I mean, think about that. Right. That's a pretty that's a pretty darn good club. So I think that yeah, I think that there's gonna be things that they look at that they tweak and you know, do we get um to a, a point, uh, Reavers, because, you know, most of the, the class A and B are in the metro. Now not all of them, but most. Do we get to a point where we get away from, you know, um eight regions, but do we all of a sudden have is it just four? And do we start mixing in some of the A's and B's? I think all of that stuff is going to be on the table. I mean, does it make sense to put your Minnetonkas and your Hopkins with your Chaskas, Chakopees? And, you know, all of that stuff I think is going to be figured out. I think that we're going to see some, some evolving that's going to be taking place there, maybe even, you know, in C over the course of the next two or three years. But, um, like I said, I, I think this is the most excited people have been for this Class B tournament in quite a long time. So I think it's already a step in the right direction. No question about it. Uh, Jeremy, you are the absolute best. So people can follow you on both on social media, but how about a little a quick plug for, for all, everything that you do for KGLB? Where are you guys going to be at this weekend? How can people listen to some of the games online and things of that nature? Yep, so AM 1310 on your radio dial or download the free KGLB app. Uh, that's the easiest. We've got four games uh, on the air this weekend. We'll, we cover uh, Region 7, so we'll have Plato Blue Jays, Green Isle Irish, and Carver Black Sox. And then also uh, the Young America Cardinals uh, taking on St. Louis Park on Saturday. Follow me on Twitter, uh, at KGLB guy. Um, you know, I try and post those schedules all the time. You can go back if you want, listen to some of our Region 7 podcasts, uh, past games that have been on the air as well. But it uh, should be a great couple of three weekends over in um, Delano, Litch, and uh, D.C. and Waconia. And, you know, I'm going to even track you down, and I'm making you buy the first bucket. First, it so. sounds like an absolute plan to me. <laughs> and if you see Jeremy sleeping in his car, just leave him be. He's just trying to get a couple of rests in before, he, before he's got to go do another game. But, no, you honestly, I know I say this to you all the time when we do pot. You, do, you guys do a phenomenal job. You really do. I mean, I, I listen to you guys all the time because I'm streaming you through my vehicle. So I'm always listening to you guys doing your coverage of the state amateur tournament. You guys always do a fantastic fantastic job and so 
if you're listening to this and you're kind of, oh, I, I wonder if I should check out a game, listen to Jeremy cover a game. Those guys do a fantastic job. And it's just a lot of fun because you guys do also do a really good job of, of really kind of capturing the atmosphere in addition to the in, in addition to the ball game. So I know we'll run into each other, but thanks for taking some time for me, man. I know how busy you are this time of the year, and I truly appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. I, I do have to say one more thing. Go Please. Young America Cardinals. You know, they're my squad. So I'm, I'm proud of those guys for getting into the Class B tournament. There were a lot of people that said, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to fold up or they're going to they're gonna lay low just so they don't get stuck doing this. Those guys are way too competitive. They're way too damn good to do that. So I'm happy for those guys. And, and let's hope maybe they can maybe they can turn a few heads. Uh, up in that Class B tournament. That would be Thanks, cool. Reavers. Yeah, I was rooting for them as well. So I, I was cheering for those. And I, I might try to make my way over there to watch that game this weekend. So, Jeremy, awesome, man. Thanks, thanks so much. We'll talk soon, all right? All right. Appreciate you. We now turn our attention to my guy, Patrick James Stephen Royce, to talk a little town baseball. First and foremost, sir, excellent piece that ran in the Star Tribune on Sunday. I read it and shared it numerous times. Well done. One of the shocks of my life, uh, I wrote 2,400 words, and they all got in. Uh, <laughs> I, I sent it in and said I could get you t- 10 inches, which would be oh, 300 words if you need it. And they said, ah, we'll let you know. And then it all ended up in the paper. So that was uh, that was, uh, that was a surprise, to say the least. But uh, it was fun. I, You know, you, you end up talking to characters and uh, – you know, a lot of it, uh, I, I think, you know, modern town ball is, is very interesting, but the nostalgia of the, uh, of the past and, uh, what it, what it basically stands for is, is kind of what you end up, it's kind of what appeals to you. You know, I mean, I had a, I was out of town today for a while and I was talking to somebody and he says, I'm a, I was a good friend of Joe Driscoll. I grew up with him. And of course that meant we had to talk about that for 20 minutes. You know? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's amazing stories out there. And, you know, the funny thing is, I was thinking of this, Chris, every town has their guys who they think were the best players, you know, no question. The, yep. Uh, the best amateur players they ever saw. That's what's great about it is you can't possibly cover the history of, uh, of, of town ball because, uh, uh, you know, that every town's got the guys they remember or five guys or this, I just saw something from Clinton. So Clinton, Minnesota has a team. I wasn't even sure they had a team. They just had a guy who hung it up after 30 years. Wow. Know, slugging first baseman or something like that. So you have, uh, you have, every place has, man, was he something, you know? So uh, it's, a, it's, that's what makes it great. Uh, I am a little nervous about uh, the, uh, you know, that um, I, I think with the, from what I can tell, we're having a problem. It's not getting guys signed up to play town ball. It's getting them to show up during the season that's become a problem from what I understand. It's funny you say that because when we started our conversation earlier in this podcast with Jeremy Stender, you know, he asked me about New, New Prague being in the same region as us with the DRS with Faribault. And I had said, well, they played us. Uh, I believe it was the week after Labor Day, or excuse me, Memorial Day weekend, and I thought, man, I mean, they they hit the ball all over the place, and I thought, wow, they got some pitching, and all of a sudden, guys just stopped coming, and I think 
that's going to be that might be an issue down the road here a little bit is you know the you know when I started playing in 1996 as a high school senior I was all in man I got bit by the bug early and I was all in but I think a lot of that it's just a generational thing too Pat you know I mean I think a lot of these kids when they're playing you know three different sports year round or maybe it's just one sport year round they kind of want to do other stuff in the summer and I do think that that might be a problem um, down the road here with some of these programs and here's the other thing is uh, the the you know the hockey player who was a sixteen year old seventeen year old kid uh, you know a really good hockey player played town ball yep now they got him in some summer program or he's going to college and they want him on campus and uh, you know they 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 basically if you're a hot shot senior athlete they try to get you in summer school to get you make sure you're going to be eligible you know and, yep. Uh, it, it, there's just uh, there's a lot more things being tugged at these you know the great athlete the uh, you know Jackson Nelson the hockey player from Laverne he was a you know a great baseball player and he played baseball for Laverne I don't know if he still is but I know when he came out of his uh, you know his first year as a Gopher that summer he was in the state tournament and playing for Laverne and. Uh, I think, uh, and then you got the Northwoods League, of course, too, yep. which is, I mean, there's scores of these college teams. So when that when the when that first happened, it was like, okay, you might have eight guys from the Division Two, and then a bunch of Division One guys. Well, now, you know, if you're a good player at Augsburg, they're going to get you for the summer teams, and and they'll take you. And then they they don't get done until August. They're, the only way to get them to play their four games to be eligible is if they pay them, play them in May when their college season's still going on. Right. So it's uh, I think there's going to have to be, you know, the the state board uh, who, who who we we love and admire and everything, but they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to uh, you know maybe uh, maybe look at if if a kid. You know, if a kid is attached to a team, a town, and then ends up playing one of these collegiate leagues, he's eligible. Well, and that's what makes the story that you did a couple of years ago on the young America kid, Bryce Panning, so great. He hits, mm-hmm. what, four hits in a game, and then he goes and catches two touchdowns for Gus Davis, you know, in yes. college yeah, football. Right. That That's what makes it fantastic. Yes, yes, it is. And that's, uh, you know, that's uh, the uh, – the thing that uh, is is wonderful about uh, town ball, of course, you know the other thing is just baseball in general is fighting so much competition to yep. uh, to uh, you know have have people play it. Although I think the carryover of the uh, game that they're playing in Major League Baseball compared to what they were playing a year ago is going to help. I don't think I don't think the ten year old kid was deciding. I don't think the ten-year-old kid is, that watches baseball now is going to say that's boring. So I, I think that's going to help a little bit yep. that uh, the numbers in baseball will be okay. But it is phenomenal to me that uh, I mean, you, you go down to New Ulm and uh, New Ulm—that's three syllables. That's three syllables, ladies numbers, and gentlemen. Three syllables, and uh, I mean. They only have one town team now down there, but they're feeding like six teams around them. They're very similar to what New Prague is doing. The New Prague High School is basically feeding five or six different town ball teams in the area. Yes. Well, you know who else? I was down in Mansfield and Dundas, and uh, and 
Farmington. Farmington, it's, it's like yes. This, this this baseball powerhouse, and they, you know, Beesville and Dundas both have three, four players from Farmington, and then I heard, like, other towns around there have a, just a bunch of Farmington kids, too. So there's, uh, you know, I don't know where the Woodbury kids are playing, but they got, you know, Eastridge is a powerhouse at Woodbury, and uh, not all those kids are going to college, and a bunch of them have to love baseball. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's not going away anytime soon. I'm really curious as how the uh, A and B merger is going to work. Uh, I, I think that they're 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 destined to be disappointed in attendance in the in in the, in the first round at least because you know there's the wives and girlfriends are going to come and watch these Twin Cities teams, but that's you know you're not going to you know, they they don't have a fan base really. They don't have you know, right. And I know they the tried to talk of Miller's might, but, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're not, you know, they, it's not a little, they don't come from little towns where people have been wandering up to the ballpark for 50 years to watch games. No. And, and I know that they tried to, uh, they tried to, at least for a little, uh, for a few of these games, tried to intermix some of those with some of the class C sites, you know, or it's not sites, but some of the class C games so that maybe they'll get some holdovers or some people showing up early for some of these games just to create kind of a bigger atmosphere. Cause you, you're going to have some draw with, you know, the, the Shakopee's, the Chaska's, you know, oh, yeah. St. Patrick's, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll bring a lot of people to some of those yeah. games, but you're oh, right. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. I, I think it will, but I, I think that it's a good deal because uh, A was uh, dwindling and B was dwindling and, and all you people fight to stay out of B, you could, uh, <laughs> you know, you could be, uh, you know, you could be the, the A team in the third largest city in the country and you'd, in the state and you'd still say, we're a C team. How could we end up? I mean, Jordan, they should be ashamed of themselves. That's just between you and me, but that's a B team right there. <laughs> so, so anyway, but uh, I don't, you know, if you can, if you can, you know, win games, I, I've always thought, here's the thing. The points system that the state, first of all, I've said that, like, figuring out the, uh, you know, the, the, the rules for uh, salary caps and stuff like that in the NFL and NBA, and uh, they're, they're, they're indecipherable. But I don't think they're as indecipherable as the, as the state board's rules for who's who's going to be the success points and everything else is what makes you a b team is uh is, is a great mystery that uh i'm sure it will not be i, I could live another 20 years i'd never figure out what the what that is so uh that, you know that's that's different too but uh i i i i you know listen way back in the day uh, in my st cloud days so that's 66 through 68 uh, I I watched Dick Putz, who was an official. Uh, he refereed a uh, very bad basketball official, kind of a football guy who was really good because he never threw a flag, so because he wanted to get to the bar, and uh, also <laughs> and a good um, I think an okay baseball umpire. But he became the head of the board. Great guy. I you know, drank beer with him many times and he's a hell of a guy and he had like 12 kids he became the head of the board he was a tyrant he wanted you know he was he 
teams for being good. So uh, I, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that we should spend that much time, you know, making sure everybody has an equal chance. You know, you, it, right. it's it's like every other sport. You know, there's good teams and there's the Dodgers. <laughs> And then there's the A's. That's that's the way the <laughs> that's world, very world works. very well stated. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's the way the world looks. I have been saving this story <laughs> for you, and I'm praying and hoping that you haven't seen it. But people often ask, you know, I'm sure you've been asked this question seven million times, and I've, been, you know, what makes Town Ball great, right? And you and I know you you and I both get why what makes Town Ball great. But this right here, Patrick, is a story of what makes Town Ball great. So last Friday night, there was a state tournament qualifier slash elimination game in Region 2C between the Stark Longhorns and Springfield. All right? Okay. Springfield is the home team. This was posted by the father of the player. His name is Scott Supernat. His okay, son David uh, does uh, do does the lo- is the losers done? Yes, I, I'm almost positive okay. because th- last okay. weekend would have would have been so far along that you would have had you know winner goes on, loser is done because that that was okay. last weekend. So anyway, okay. Region Two C and we played at Springfield last uh, this this year and it's a great ballpark. They hosted yep. this tournament a couple years ago. So here's here's Dad Scott saying proud parent moment on Friday night. He tweets this out on uh, yesterday actually. Region 2C playoffs, Stark versus Springfield with the winner of this game going to the state tournament. Just minutes before his game-winning hit in the top of the 14th inning, my son David had been on the phone with his wife, Larissa. She called him in the dugout to say that she was going to the hospital. She was going into labor. She's 37 weeks pregnant. David tells her, well, okay, I'm going to go take my at-bat before I go <laughs> to meet you at the hospital. Oh Patrick, he singles in the game-winning two runs and then immediately leaves the game for a pinch runner to go be with his wife. Stark now, wins the game 10-8 in 14 Stark innings. He played for Stark then. Yes, this was the game was being played in against Springfield in Springfield, but he oh, where played. Where was the hospital? Because it sure as hell wasn't in Stark. That's it might have been in. Well, the, they were in New Ulm, Sp- maybe in New Ulm. But how about that for a town ball story? <laughs> that is that does make Palm Town Ball great. It's uh, <laughs> it is uh, it is just incredible, and I, I mean it's a big joke about all sports, you know. The wife is, you know, although I couldn't have done it without my wife, blah, blah, blah. I'm getting paid. Well, that is true in town ball. Oh, because, God. you know, they'll put up with it. You know, first of all, let's say you get married at a normal 24, right? Sure. And then you get to 28, and you got to, you know, if you can have kids, the time, you, we're getting there now, right? So <laughs> then you got kids. So now you're 33, 34. And you got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. That is the, you can't tell me, oh, my wife's so supportive when you're 26 years old and single. It's when you're 34 years old and have three kids and she still lets you play. That's what, uh, that's the, that's the tipping point, don't you think? Oh God, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's neat is you kind of go through waves or phases, I should say, because you start off with, you know, me, I'm just using myself as an example. You start off as a player. You play for a couple of years. Oh, then you meet you meet meet a gal. All right, she's you know, that, this might this might be a thing here. Oh, in she's your case, 
I still can't figure it out, but go ahead. No, nor can anybody else, but that's yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah. And so then she's, you know, she, when I first met her, she didn't really know the difference between a baseball and a golf ball, but she fell in love with it. And then all of a sudden, okay, now it's time for me to go on and, and start being a coach. And then we decided to have kids. So I stepped away from the game for a year, worst summer of my life. And she says, you need to go back. And now my kids are getting older where they love being around it. So it's, it's, it yeah. is neat. It's, it's fun. Well, here's a good story. I mean, there's all these stories, but uh, I was talking to Joe Krieger, uh, you know, former uh, former member of the state board who decided to uh, step away, wanted to get into something less political, so he became a county commissioner. But uh, <laughs> out out there, but uh, Joe and Green Isle, they you know they upset Watertown, I believe. Yes, they, they, they did. And then, then Watertown and somebody else beat them, and they ended up getting knocked out. But 17-year-old kid, going to be a high school senior, grew up across the street, you know, in Green Isle. Yep. And if, if you're in Green, Green Isle, you're across the street from everywhere, right? <laughs> but he was across the street from the ballpark, a kid named Dent, and he's going to be in college. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen to him because he's apparently a good lefty. But when he's 34, he'll be pitching for Green Isle. 100%. 100%. I don't know what will happen between then and now. You know, the state board, I think, I hear that Delano's getting a little heat for getting the state tournament again so soon. Well, they've fallen in love with the 212 corridor. And, I mean, the Highway, you know, the, the, the highway 12 corridor, yep. basically. I don't blame them, you know. I mean, that Delano ballpark is... It's a great ballpark. It's the best ballpark in the state, and I'm including Target Field. (laughs) It's unbelievable. It's it's fantastic. And then all all the places, Waconia has got a great ballpark. It's newer. Uh, Here's what I don't like anymore, though. They got these places bolted up like they're... uh, like it's Yankee Stadium. I used to just go to a town and walk into the ballpark. There'd be some kids playing on the field and stuff like that. We got security around our ballparks now. You know, the kids should be able to run out there and play if they want. Some of that might be a reflection too of just society in general. But I get, I completely get what you're saying. I'm sure there's some ragamuffins in each town who say, "Oh, good, let's take some kerosene and uh, burn the." Or we might get ten bucks for their sound equipment on, you know, on, uh, you know, selling it on oh, on, on Craigslist yeah, or whatever. I guess so, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I went out to see the new ballpark in Waconia about three years ago. I had nothing to do on a day. I heard of what a nice ballpark it is. I couldn't even peek over the fence for God's sake. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was, uh, it's, it's uh, that that part of it's changed, but. Uh, you know what? Uh, what's astounding, though, is the level of the ballparks that people are playing in now compared to, uh, oh. well, when the pull tabs came in. The, the charitable gambling isn't as accessible as it was then, but that had a whole lot to do with building a lot of great ballparks. Well, Pat, let's take Waconia, for example. I remember going out there. My first year with the Chanhassen Redbirds, it was 2010, and they said, "Oh, they're the ballpark. It's it's right by the high school. You just pull in on the uh, the southwest side of the parking lot. You'll see it right there." We walked up. There was the ball. There was the field. 
and there was one set of bleachers with a little shed for the lawnmower. And I thought, this is yeah. where they play their tomball. All right, let's, let's, yeah, let's go. Yeah, and it was, even then, it was a fairly good-sized town, I would have thought. Yeah. So, yeah and what I mean, they the did was great. Is, yep. The commitment is uh, is amazing at uh, some of these places. I mean, I was at Dundas the other day, and, uh, I mean, that that park is, uh, they're not the dynasty they used to be, but the park just keeps, every time you go there, it's a little better than it was last time. Yep. Now they had the state tournament with you and Terrible, and that had a lot to do with it, too, but uh, it is uh, it is amazing the, the quality of the ballparks they have here, that's that's for sure, and uh, you know, it's uh, I think the uh, numbers of teams down a little, but not, we're still we still got more than anybody in the country and uh, and uh, you know the, the radius has certainly gotten generous now though, 30 miles, right? Well, now, it's 30 all, miles, all, but I think not all, not all leagues have that, some <laughs> leagues have it. But the other thing that I think has helped a lot, and I actually was in big favor of this rule, is the the heritage rule that now exists. Where oh yeah, you know, if if a guy, you know, for instance, for someone like me, if my kids wanted to go play for Faribault, they could because I've been a part of the Lakers for twenty whatever years it's been. But I like that rule a lot because it's going to be able to help some of those smaller communities who's you know the old man was cutting grass for there for 30 years and his kids want to go out there and play ball and even though they live 40 miles away that they should be able to go out there and play ball i think that that's a good yeah. rule yes that's what i say that's why i say denard span is eligible to play <laughs> for the farming flames he's he's married to annie schlepper who grew up in st cloud but they are related to the uh, farming sh- uh, the farming schleppers and uh, I, uh, you know, and I think uh, actually your dad's one of the sons or something. She's, Denard's fans eligible to play for farming if he wants to come up here and spend so, the summer. That's what I say. So what you're saying is you think Tampa, Florida might be outside of the 30-mile <laughs> radius of farming. 30-mile radius. But who cares if you <laughs> if you have any kind of a connection, you know, like that, uh, certainly uh, it, it should uh, you know the amazing stories you have. Those uh, like the, uh, the, the the net kid, the guy that was the priest, and he, uh, you know, the, the, you know, all all the Stearns County families back then. The oldest son was stuck being a priest, right? That's yep. the way it worked. But then uh, this is a different generation. But he was in Rome. And he'd come home and take his summer vacation to pitch in uh, which one of the teams? I'm not sure, but one of the teams up there. It's uh, it, the, those kind of stories are endless. There's some other great stories, and I'm sure uh, Jeremy told you about them. Uh, but like uh, Cortland hasn't had oh. the state tournament since the war, or some damn thing. Or, I mean, all these. There's a he lot said of- Pat. He said Cortland didn't even have a team five years ago. They yeah, had that they yeah. had they had they had you know basically fallen apart because they couldn't get get enough guys to play and or run it. So he said they didn't even have a team a couple of years ago. Yeah, and there's a there's a bunch of them that haven't that haven't been there this year that hadn't been around in the tournament for like fifty years or something like that. A lot of upsets, weren't there? Oh yeah. Well, I didn't know. I saw this only through his social media account, but the, apparently. Uh, Carver, who also almost didn't have a team this year because a lot of their I guys, thought they, I heard they weren't going to play. They weren't, and then they found a couple of they found a bunch of kids that wanted to play, and and Brian Brian just brought them in. They were zero and seven at one point. Jeremy told me they were down, down one. The bases loaded, two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Pop up, 
the catcher for Mayer dropped the ball. Next, not next pitch, but that same at bat, guy hits a two run double, they win the game. Otherwise, they would have been out of the tournament and Mayer would have made the tournament. I've always thought that was the toughest play in baseball, though, being a catcher trying to find a pop up. Especially at night, yes. Yeah, that's a tough, uh, tough job. But uh, yeah, I was, I, I watched the highly produced reveal show on YouTube <laughs> Sunday night. And it was between the laughs. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I saw Carver. I said, Carver? I thought they didn't, I thought they were going to have a team. I thought they were, uh, I thought they were not going to have a team. And there they are. They're in the state tournament. So good for them. And uh, I was nervous about the piece that I wrote for Sunday because it was, you know, there was kind of a, Big emphasis on Dundas and Meesville at the end of it, and uh, they were both down two to one. They both came back nope. and beat two of your powerhouses from the DRS. So, how do those two teams, Newmarket and Elko, become B and the rest of your C? I don't get it. Well, a lot of it again had to do with the, uh, the player, the type of player that they sign. You know, a lot they uh, both of those teams signed a lot of college college baseball players that aren't from the area. I mean, a lot of them are Lakeville kids, so I think that that had a lot to do with it. But you know, they can draw from a. I mean, they can cast a wide net in both of those cities. So I don't know. It's, yeah, well, everybody can cast a pretty wide net, but you know. What if you got a thirty mile the thirty mile radius isn't exactly equitable, you know. <laughs> if you got a thirty mile radius and fold you know, that means you got eight hundred people to draw from, not eighty thousand, you know. Right. So it's 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 hard to uh but but it also what makes it intriguing is I mean if if you're from one of these little towns and None of the players are from within 20 miles of your little town. You're not going to have enough interest to walk up there and see the game on Sunday. So uh, I can see why they do try the radius, but it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to make things equitable, uh, you know, and that's, that's what they attempt to do. And uh, that's what makes it uh, uh, political beyond belief. But uh, it's always been that way. I've always said, you know, again, God love the state board. I like most. I like those guys, the ones I know. But uh, although I never voted on the same side as any of these, but that's another uh, that's another topic. But anyway, anyway, but uh, you know the, the 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 vehement attempts to uh, equal things out. Just I don't think you know. You just got a lot of right. You just got a lot of stuff that doesn't work. And this this AB thing. I mean, you had that killer region, you know, Elko, Newmarket, uh, St. Patrick, Rochester, Rochester got knocked out, right? Rochester got knocked out. I they? believe Rochester they did. was in there. They had eight St. Patrick. They had eight of the best teams. They probably had eight of the top twenty B teams in the state, right? And and not counting the Twin Cities, and the region Soviet, the B region Sovieski was in. Had six teams and two of them didn't play. <laughs> two of them decided not to play because they most of their guys had gone back to college or gone back home or something. So they get they get four teams that walk into the tournament. You got these teams, you know, battling each other through a best of five. 
have you ever heard of a best of five playoff in county baseball? The first thing I thought of, Patrick, when I saw best of five is, oh, my God, there's going to be fights on the field. I mean, there's yeah. there's going to be some knockdown, dragout fights on the field when a best of five series. Well, I asked Billy Nelson from Dundas, what the hell is like Billy best of five? He said, we got time. <laughs> you know? Plus, they want to sell a few tickets, I suppose. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's, uh, Why, it's, uh, so I teased the fact that we were going to do this show. And so the number one thing I got both via social media and email is when's Patrick making it to the tournament? Are you planning on going out this weekend or are you waiting? Till not, next weekend? I don't think I'll be out this weekend. I think I'll go out next weekend. I got a bunch of stuff I got to do. And I also want to see the things kind of, uh, kind of, uh, my, my old tradition used to be, uh, get a hold of Driscoll and ask him where he was going after he quit. But, uh, that's, <laughs> Unfortunately, Joe's no uh, no longer with us, but uh, uh, I'm going to uh, certainly uh, uh, try to take a look at. Uh, uh, people tell me I last I haven't been to Litchfield Ballpark for like 12 years, and I was not impressed at all. But people tell me they've done a hell of a job with that. And then uh, you know the Dassel Ballpark. Here's the big here's the big flaw in this tournament, though. What's that? Last time they had it in Dassel. The you know Labor Day is Red Rooster's Chicken Day. Oh they got, no! Uh, they got every grandma in Dassel over in that big building next to the f- next to the field, and it's the you know it's the last day of Red Rooster Days in Dassel. But that's when they have the big roast chicken feed, like you used to have at every every church dinner, and it's this fabulous. Uh, chicken dinner over there. People line up. Well, this year they don't have a game on Monday. The only game on Monday is Delano. Uh, Delano has the Class C title. The bees, the bees being decided on uh, Sunday, I guess in uh, in Dassel, uh, in Delano, I think. So, uh, so did they uh, do that? Sure. Do you I'm think not... they did that specifically because of the big chicken feed? I don't know. I don't know. They may not be as chicken focused as I was, but uh, so. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that Dassel tournament was one of my favorites ever, though. I was there. Uh, Bookie, Bookie Larson, who helped me with that column, uh, I was I was at Dassel, and he's from there, and uh, he he pointed out this couple that was down in the front row on championship day, and the guy had big overalls, the farmer of all time, and his wife was with him, and she looked like a, a woman who'd been married to a farmer for 50 years. And he said, yeah, they they send in their money for the tickets, for next year's tickets. When the tournament ends, they send in their money for the tickets. And I can't remember what their names were, but uh, 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 so, so I went down and talked to them. And the next year's tournament was supposed to be in Rochester. And the guy, they'd been to every tournament for like 40 years, you know. But they weren't going Rochester because it was, but because the old man said it was too far away. <laughs> they weren't going, and I gave me a chance. I can't remember what her name was, Agnes or something. My lad, my kicker was, I don't think Agnes will ever see Paris. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Rochester's too far. She ain't yeah, going Rochester to Paris. Was, they ain't going down there. Plus, the hotels are probably in the <laughs> but they'd go to like the site of the tournament if, if it was, you know, thirty miles away or something, and stay in the little motel in the town, and watch every game. That is fantastic. Do you th- are they still yeah. with us? Do you think? 
I don't believe so. I don't believe okay. so. But I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, it is uh, it is an event. And you guys, you know, you pulled it off. Trying to, it's not easy. You oh. guys pulled it off last year. Uh, not getting the greatest break for, uh, I mean, this one, a hell of a team. That was a hell of a team. But uh, you didn't get the greatest break as far as which teams won the games and which one. You know, the, the semifinals were what? Watertown and Plato or something. Watertown yeah. lost to Buckman, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I think yeah. Nisswa beat, did Nisswa beat Jordan? No, yeah. Nisswa beat Delano. Nisswa beat Delano in the semifinal. Yeah. So, semifinal. so uh, mileage was uh, was not in your favor with the, uh, and that happened over in uh, Dundas too. I mean, Well, I, but, I had said this. Know, that, pe- but I think it's great that, uh, you know the victory league. We don't talk about it much. You don't hear much about it. But they, you know, they've had some. They have a great run of teams up there in Central Minnesota. After watching the Watertown crowd basically congregate in the football field parking lot, which is about mm, three blocks away from where our ballpark is. Not quite three blocks. Two blocks away from our ballpark is. They took that thing over. I mean, they just said we're we're going to set up shop here, and this is going to be our spot, which was fantastic. That's great because that's I, I, that's a that's getting to be a pretty close suburb, Watertown. That they still have that kind of community feeling. That's great. But I was saying to the guy that runs our concessions, Ricky Bauer, I said if we end up with a freaking St. Patrick or Jordan versus Watertown championship game, we're, we're going to need another beer trailer. Yeah, I remember the year, the first time the Hampton was in on the tournament, you know, which is, uh, that's, it's a ways to go. Cause they've now, I mean, they've kind of, they, they kind of like it cause it's well located. It's an okay ballpark surrounded by cornfields, but, uh, but it's okay. But the first time I went out there and it was like, uh, they were, I think I went out there on the, on the, uh, second, the second weekend and, Richmond got beat and the, and the people, the people behind the Hampton effort, you know, yep. people selling beer, they were crushed. They were crushed because Richmond brought like three buses of hardcore beer drinkers. And the, <laughs> the, they were, you know, the, the, the first, they were there the first weekend and just dollar signs were in everybody's lies. And then they got beat, I think the second, or maybe they got beat on Friday or something. I can't remember what it was, but, uh, but the, the guy looked like he was going to, the, the guy in charge of their concession operation looked like he was going to cry his eyes out. He was so upset. Much in the same way when we lost the Montgomery Mallards, I thought they're like, Oh, you're sad. You're lost a DRS team. I said, Nope. We just lost a boatload of dr- beer drinkers mm-hmm. for the, for the tournament. I just want to say this, that uh, that, the column I wrote for last Sunday, it was not a coincidence that I put Joe Driscoll's devotion to Budweiser as the beer in the end of the, in the end of that column, because I wanted all those people protesting Budweiser to say, they don't drink Budweiser anymore. Weenie head. Uh, well, Patrick, you are the absolute best. Thank you so much uh, for squeezing me in, and uh, I know we'll we'll see you at the ballpark at some point over the next couple oh, of yeah. weekends. We're so gonna, uh, we're gonna. Uh, 
I got to make one appearance in Delano because I got to see my guy Gene Hayes, and then uh, and then. Uh, because um, all I can tell you is we get to play Sunday the 27th at 4.30. I got oh. no idea where we're playing, but that's that's all you, I know. You got your guy pitching? Yes. Jake we'll, on the hill? We'll have our guy Jake throwing. On the, Jake on the hill, that's okay. You know, you love Jake. Jake's a friend of yours, <laughs> but you're happy to see him back out of professional baseball. <laughs> no one was more happy to see a good friend get cut by a Major League Baseball team <laughs> yeah. than this guy. You got to take care of it. When push comes to shove, you got to take care of your own roster. See, like I said to him last spring, I said, Jake, come on. Do you really want to sit in St. Paul all summer? I mean, come on. Let's yeah, let's right. let's, let's yeah. be done with this whole thing. You got to move yeah, your family you around. At, come on. You could be at Union Hill, for God's sake. What's, uh, what's wrong with What's this? a better atmosphere, Jake, when you, like the year that he was with the Angels? You want to go all the way to Salt Lake City when you can be in, you know, Webster? Yeah. Come on. Come on, let's yeah, go. One here. thing I gotta tell you though, when I lived in Prior Lake for years, I used to go out to St. I used to go out to Union Hill, and it was a dump. And I went to St. Patrick, and it wasn't good enough to be a dump. <laughs> I go to those games, you know, it wasn't good enough. They had like I think they had a snow fence. It was just god awful. Now those are both hotbeds oh. of baseball with magnificent baseball parks. It's it is a you're looking for examples. Of, I mean, the mini mat in Jordan used to be wow. Now that you know, it's a great ballpark, but there's a lot of them now. Yep. You know what St. Patrick has done to that to that field in the whatever 15, 20 years since I've I've been it's, playing ball there. It's, it's unreal. You know what it is. You know what St. Patrick is. The perfect example of baseball. The church board, the town board. And the baseball board are all the same guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're all the same guys. The guys who deal with the priest, the guys who deal with the ballpark, and the guys who deal with the little town. They're all the same guys. Well, and, I, and again, I'll, I'll go there as a fan. I'll bring my kids. And I got Garaki hitting me up. Hey, Reeves, you need to buy a couple of, of raffle tickets. I said, Brent. I just bought five of them last week at our game. Yeah, you need a yeah. couple more. You need a couple. We yeah, need lights. Yeah. We need lights this summer. Come on here. Yeah, they, uh, it's, uh, you know what I learned? I didn't realize that Meadsville didn't have lights till the mid 90s or something. I didn't know that either. I did not know that. Yeah, I was, I was surprised that Juice Johnson told me that. But, uh, uh, Bookie Nelson gave me a really good list of the, you know what, the first, town team to have lights in Minnesota? No. 1936, Lambert. Really? A little tiny town, um, you know, down somewhat near Springfield, but they used to be in the same conference as Fulton, Lambert, home of Bob Gebhardt. But they, 1936, they had them before Austin, before Albert Lee, before all those towns. So it's pretty, it's amazing. Because we played so, there, we played there two summers ago on a Saturday oh, afternoon. Really? And I never would have guessed that they would have been the first, because I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, they have a, the combined baseball with the football field. At least they do now. I don't know if they did oh, back yeah. then. But, yeah, yeah that okay, sure. so that would make sense that they'd be the first. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sir. Very good. Thank you, Patrick. Not sooner. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. There he goes. Patrick James Stephen Royce, who is my guy when it comes to everything town baseball. I really do hope... Uh, that you've enjoyed this uh, episode of the Weekly Scramble where 
You know what? I get to dip my toe. Joe doesn't let me ever tell a town ball story on Garage Logic, so I get to take this opportunity to talk to two of my favorite people associated with town baseball, and of course, Patrick just being one of my favorite people in general. So I hope you enjoyed this particular episode of the Weekly Scramble. And you know what? Like I've been saying throughout this entire episode, get out to the ballpark. Um, it's like I said, it's cheap. It's cheap to go for the family. It's a lot cheaper than going to a Twins game, um, but it's a lot of fun, and it's been something that's been near and dear to my heart, um, basically since I was in high school which was <laughs> this just in that was a long time ago so thank you so much to jeremy stender and of course to patrick Royce. and i hope you enjoyed this particular episode thank you so much and mike and i will be back doing the weekly scramble next week thursday live at the minnesota state fair if you don't hear another tumble episode before then so thanks for tuning in i really do appreciate it this is chris reavers we'll talk to you again next time